Hello everyone, here is Daniel with a new episode of our e-commerce podcast. And today I'm here with one of the co-founders of uh, Prone Cushion, Si uh, Huang. And he will tell us more about uh, the story of uh, their brand um, and also the successful crowdfunding campaigns that they uh, have on Indiegogo and Kickstarter. Because on these two platforms, they collected around uh, $400,000 and uh, also quite fast they could uh, establish a very nice revenue number with a low number of products and i believe only one product right yeah right so, now only one product mm -hmm. which is which is really an amazing result and rare to see hey how are you today good to have you here it's pretty good i'm glad to be here first i'm doing podcast and i'm excited so let's start with your backstory because that's how we usually start here so yeah. is this your first company or you are a serial entrepreneur uh, also why did you start this company with your co-founders well this is um actually the first time i take like an entrepreneurship seriously um before that we had experience with other people but it wasn't it's just like a college kids playing but then the prone cushion is the actual thing that i personally believe that is Gonna, it's going to be real and it's time to go like all 100% in. Mm -hmm. And yeah. That's amazing. Um, and how did you find your co-founders? Do you have one or more? How many are you? Uh, there are three co-founders. Um, mm -hmm. Originally, I only found one. Um, he's my high school best friend, just like all the college kids. We all have yeah, like yeah. a best friend of some sort. We go to yeah. him. I analyze our abilities. I'm looking like, okay, this abilities I have, and that's the ability he has. Let's see if there's any overlaps and any diversities. And luckily, um, the skills that I have, he doesn't. The skill that he has, I don't. Okay. So perfect. That makes a perfect team. Then um, along the way, of course, we got struggles, and then we invited one more friend coming in, and then we just seamlessly um, match all the gaps that we have and able to build it up. That's amazing. And it tells me that you were very smart about it from the early days, because I know several people, young entrepreneurs who also start with their best friend or friends, but uh, they are not aware of their strengths. And, you know, people, they usually attract similar people. So it means many times they have similar skills as well. In yes. your case, it's different, which is luck, lucky thing, I think. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, I know people who are great at marketing, both founders, but it yeah. doesn't really help, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah. And what are your strengths and what are those areas where your uh, friend is, is stronger? Well, um, I'm a physics major, so I'm very good at analyzing stuff logically. Mm -hmm. And uh, for the prone question, actually, I have one by my side. Yeah, like, sure. Uh, let, let's show it to us. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if it's big enough for a screen. It's like that. This is where you put the neck and the body. And then in the back, um, that can adjust the height uh, with different levels. So mm -hmm. we just lay on it and then um, provide a good support for the upper body. So my strength um, when it comes to product is analyzing how the forces are applied to the body. Because I'm a, I'm a proner myself. I prone on the bed like every day <laughs> since like okay. um, basically the start of college. I've been laying prone basically 12 hours to 16 hours per day. And of course... Um, this position is not very comfortable in in the very long run because your elbow, your neck is supporting your entire upper body. 
and over time, shoulder, elbow, back, and that gets really bad. And mm-hmm. today, and then I'm like, you know, that doesn't work. I need something that can both support my neck and my upper body. So let me analyze the forces. Um, just take out my, the stuff I learned from physics, analyze the forces, and then do corresponding design on it. And then have my friend who's way more artistic than I am mm-hmm. to make it look like that right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you did you also learn biology, by the way, or only physics was enough for that? Uh, physics was enough. Uh, okay. Thankfully. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when it comes to marketing, your friend, uh, you think he's better at it or both of you? Who does the majority of that? He's much, much better than, than I am. Okay. I'm a logic brain. I cannot really um, consider stuff from, well, I have a background that I can do it, but I think he does a much better job than I am. Mm-hmm. Or I just leave everything to him. Whenever he has an idea or something, he mm-hmm. talks to me, talk to the other guys. Um, we come together, analyze, and decide what's the best. Yeah. And that's been for every single steps because we only have three people, not a big team. Everything can be discussed internally before acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's great. And uh, all of you, you are active users of the product or you are the main user because... Oh, of... all of us are active users. I yeah. convinced them to be a proner themselves. And I also like, um, I also introduced a product to my family and friends. My parents, mm-hmm. um, even my grandparents are using it. And okay. yeah, they all found a good way of using it. Not just prone, maybe a backrest, maybe a, yeah. a thing to lie on a bed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Can you tell us more about the product? I'm on the website at the same time and I can see air cell, air cell technology, high density memory foam, uh, chin and neck support. So I'm just curious how this product is built up. Um, can you tell us about it in a few words? Well, um, um, in short, um, let, let me think. There's one way to describe it clearly. One is let's talk from our intention and then how we build a product. So our mm-hmm. goal is to create a product that can last us in a prone position as long as possible. So there's a few problems we need to solve. One is our neck. Our neck, when in prone, we're constantly like I'm um, trying to lift our head up. And over time, our neck muscle is going to get sore. So we need a support yeah. for the neck. Our neck is also very fragile. So we need to be super soft, extra soft. And also, I'm a gamer. I need to talk in a mic. So that part needs to be even softer than, um, mm-hmm. let's say, regular pillow. Mm-hmm. With the next soft, next up is our chest. Chest has a very big area, which is perfect for releasing all the pressure. So we build a very build a long um, body pillow to put our chest on it so that it mm-hmm. disperses all the pressure from our shoulder and our elbow. Originally, we only have our elbow and our shoulder to support our whole body. Now, it's not the same. It's not only two points. Um, we have the whole yeah. body and... The whole chest area, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. And pressure equal to force over area with only the elbow points. It uh-huh. is very small. So the pressure is insane. Now, having the chest in it, um, it suddenly becomes um, very soft and very comfortable because the pressures are dispersed. So having that, we have the neck and body cushion of the foam lined up together. And then, of course, mm-hmm. uh, we need something to raise our raise our body up. It's 
having a pillow doesn't work because if we just have a pillow, it will shrink, shrink all the way to the bottom. So we build yeah. a rigid hard foam in the bottom so that it both support the body and remove the stress. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and I think on the website, you will also say air cell technology. Yeah. Uh, so what, what does it even mean? I have no clue, honestly. Um, let's see. Um, there's a few things that we do in the cushion. Um, let me see if I can take off the, uh, take off the cover. So real quick. Um, for the cushion, we implemented a few things on it. One is whole punching mechanism to increase better air ventilation. The other is we, what we call gel infuse. I think that's probably what it is. Um, for hole punching, we use it for uh, better um, air ventilation, especially in summer, times can get very hot and we need stuff to um, really help us relieve all the heat because I, originally I tried to use a pillow and a blanket for substitute of the prone cushion and mm -hmm. it doesn't work well, especially the blanket. It, that was a horrible idea. I hung mm -hmm. the blanket in a hot summer day, like 100 degrees, and guess what? In five minutes, I'm sweating. Yeah. And yeah. Said, okay, I cannot build a product that will make myself sweat like a flow, like a flood. It, I can't yeah. do that. So I implemented um, something on a prone cushion. Now I took the um, outside cover apart, and with the inner wire mesh also taken off. Um, so this is the hole punching. Um, here we go, mm -hmm. hole punching, we yeah. put holes yeah. on it. So when body is pressed on it, there's airflow. And the hot summer day, air keeps ventilating. So that's perfect. And second is the air gel is mostly about um, the foam um, coming back, the time that comes mm -hmm. back. So if I press it, it doesn't go back as, um, it doesn't either shrink to the very bottom and doesn't come back, or it doesn't come back too quickly, that's harming our body. Because if we push too fast, then that's pressure on our chest. So um, yeah. that's what it is. Gel infuse okay. and chocolate infuse, is, that's what makes the color. Yeah. And some antibacterial stuff too. That's amazing. You put a lot of effort into it, I guess. Uh, yeah. Most of these um, little things comes from my partners and it's brilliant, man. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So you came up with the product and then uh, yeah. how did you manufacture it? So... Um, the introduction of our third teammates actually the key in manufacturing. Um, he has okay. connection to one of the factory in China, so we're able mm -hmm. to connect with them. In the beginning, we don't have um, a team to build a prototype or something. We had to rely mm -hmm. on outside resources. We're only a three-man team. Therefore, the third member totally fits it and solved everything in terms of prototyping, manufacturing, mm -hmm. able to get those in a very cheap price. And yeah. yeah, 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 I get it. And uh, so you had the product, you had the manufacturer as well. And then your next step was the, the crowdfunding or you went to, you know, to Shopify, let's build an e-commerce store or what was your next step after? So um, the shop, the Kickstarter phase is actually planned out from the very beginning. Mm, okay. Like um, even before the idea is found, we realized that in turn, when we do online retails, we don't have the capital to, um, we don't, or we don't have the luxury to actually buy the products, um, air at, and then sell online and wait till the money come back. We don't have the capital. We don't have the warehouse. We don't have anything. So mm -hmm. uh, most importantly, we don't have the money. 
So the first step is always um, crowdfunding because that's one way to get pre-orders, get all the yeah. confirmed customers and maybe knowing our customer base as well. So um, Kickstarter is the first thing we planned out from the very beginning before the prototype came out. And we are lucky that we didn't just air Kickstarter as like um, some inexperienced player that um, didn't air ads, didn't do pre-campaigns. And at the end of the day, Kickstarter is just a website that nobody, well, if we don't do advertisement on our, our own, there won't be anyone coming in. So um, yeah, we're lucky that we did that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And first you started with Kickstarter and after Indiegogo later. Yes. Mm -hmm. In and, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Please go. Yeah. And um, how did you plan this Kickstarter uh, campaign? Like also if you learned from someone, who was it? And how did you pick up the knowledge about Kickstarter? And I'm asking this because there are so many unsuccessful campaigns on Kickstarter, like probably... 80-90% I don't know but a pretty high percentage so you know yeah. you have to stand out to make it successful yeah there are a uh, Kickstarter campaign success rate is about 40% and um, success rate is only meaning that it's 100% funded for a lot of campaign like pins and uh, stickers they barely meet the minimums so um, in order to get to a scale like 100,000 of course it's um, I would say very lucky <laughs> and yeah. also a bit difficult um to set up the campaign um to know about campaign is from it's mostly from the early days where we do the research we look into what actually um what actually kickstarter function how does it work um and then we realize oh it's like a originally it was a platform to help people build up their dreams they can have an idea and people fund it for idea come true and potentially receive a reward but that was somewhere like 2014 and 15. And over time, Kickstarter evolves and now becoming some sort of um, pre-sale pre um, platform where mm -hmm. there's genuinely a lot of early adopters and people will like to try new stuff out, changing their lifestyles. Then um, this makes the perfect platform for us to air on products. And yeah. um, my friend and the person who's in charge of manufacturing are the one that's taking most of the control of the Kickstarter campaign, they develop phases of stuff that we need to do. For example, there's a pre-campaign that uh, most of successful campaign will do where collect emails, collect audience, co collect um, subscribers, and mm -hmm. also knowing what the um, what our audience is. And for our products, because I'm so unsure, we also had a, like a pre-pre-campaign. <laughs> So mm -hmm. doing like a one extra safety step, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long was the whole, you know, all the campaigns? Like one month, one year, five years, roughly? <laughs> well, the actual, the planning stage went quite long, but most of them is just based on our simulation, our imagination, and our study. So I'll mm -hmm. take those time out because for a very fast-paced learner, they can learn it in merely weeks. Okay. So, from the pre-campaign, it starts near um, February, and then um, we air ads, we we tweak it, we optimize it all the way to somewhere like um, March and April. Then that's how we start a pre-campaign, and that's the real that's the real thing begins mm -hmm. March, 
And also, um, because collecting email lists, customer tends to forget, especially after a long time. They sign up for something and then they normally forget about it. It's like us receiving yeah. like ads. We saw it, yeah, on Facebook probably like two two days ago, but we'll forget it in like two months for sure. So yeah. we have once pre-campaign started, it's like a timer for a Kickstarter campaign. We have to air fast. If we don't, um, all the money and capital that we went into advertisements are gone. So March, yeah. April, and then launch in May. And then the campaign lasts for two months. Yeah, that's relatively short, I would say, two months. Yeah, basically yeah. compiling our efforts for the previous years all into that four months. Get mm. everything planned out and then also all three of us on our toes in case of anything to happen. And of course, we are beginners, just like normal college students. We make a lot of mistakes and emergency happens all the time. So we're on our toes yeah. to fix them real time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the three people, they are in California or, uh, or yeah. not everyone? Okay. Well, all those are in California. I'm in San Jose and my parents are in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And your, uh, your uh, backers and, and customers, they are mostly in, uh, in US or only US? Or yeah, not? like um, 80% of our customers are from the US, but we also mm-hmm. have customer from, let's say, Canada, Korea, Japan, Taiwan, Malaysia, Singapore, okay. like everywhere in the world, even in yeah. Europe too. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And um, let's talk about Indiegogo. So why did you choose Kickstarter first? I'm curious. Um, Kickstarter has a rule saying that um, this whatever project that we're airing has to be appear first on Kickstarter. If it appears somewhere else, then mm, Kickstarter okay. will not accept it. But for Indiegogo, it's more lenient. And Indiegogo also have a built-in function to migrate campaign from Kickstarter to Indiegogo. So it comes very obvious that Kickstarter first and then Indiegogo. <laughs> okay. And Indiegogo, they don't have anything like that, this uh, restriction like Kickstarter. They have much less restriction. And also okay. they have different things too. It's like a pre-sale yeah. um, platform with our existing marketplace at the same time. So it's like a bit of everything combined. Yeah, 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 makes sense. So how do you use the different marketing channels for in your campaign? You mentioned email marketing, ads. Um, <clears throat> how do you use them? What channels you don't use or maybe plan to use? What's your experience so far? So um, first of all, we think about channels in terms of drives. Um, drives is the instinct where customers are going to make an action or purchase or put their email down. So which one give them the most? So um, especially in terms of conversion, um, at the end of the day, we realize email is the very traditional way and also one of the highest rate to do uh, action conversion, either a purchase, a link click, or something. But might not be a very high open rate, though. So even with that um, drawback, we still choose email. So email marketing is one of the things we go for. And for channels to air the ad, it is Facebook. Um, most of the tutorial online talking about Kickstarter, how to make Kickstarter campaign, how to do pre-campaign, they all focus on Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. And there's a like, complete set of tutorial online that you can find multiple versions of it. And unfortunately, um, when we do add our, um, when we do air our Facebook ads, it was a time where all the privacy laws are changing. So yeah. most of the tutorial went kind of 
you know, um, not useful because mm -hmm. they have the one is the iOS update where you can ask the app not to track um, your performance. Um, that basically take out all the iOS customers because 93% or more choose um, tell the apps to not track their record. Yeah. So most of them is on PC and on Android device. So uh, we went through that. We collected their emails. And, and also at the end of the day, we had to launch the Kickstarter campaign, right? <clears throat> so to launch a Kickstarter campaign, we also this series of emails to remind them, hey, um, your prone cushion is going to be aired in seven days, three days, one day. Or we even put out like, hey, the first, let's say 120 people or 100 people will get the super early bird, which is the cheapest one and which we don't make any money or even we put money into it for them to come in and give us some traffic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, um, you, are not, you are not the first business owner with a Kickstarter Indiegogo campaign in this podcast, but everyone tells me about the importance of email marketing. Yes. And they, they usually tell me that's the number one channel for that Kickstarter campaign. And I'm very happy for that because I run an email marketing agency. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's great. Um, I must ask you this uh, question um, because uh, you you seem to be a more technical person, yeah, sure. less of a marketer. So what's your uh, opinion and, and experience with AI in marketing? Uh, I, maybe it's a bit long shot, but I have to ask this question. Uh, well, we haven't got in touch too much with AIs in mm -hmm. terms of marketing. The only place where AIs are implanted, I believe, is the Facebook algorithm okay. because... Um, well, I believe our pre my our previous podcaster also uh, talked about Facebook ads, Facebook marketing. Um, they have their algorithm implanted. We set up all the parameters. We run into tests. We put money in, and we let the algorithm run by itself. Could be deep based yeah. on machine learning, deep learning, neural links. Mm -hmm. I don't know too much, um, but I do know that it is like getting better over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You focus on the fundamentals, right? I think, yeah, we're uh, trying to make stuff live first yeah. and then <laughs> have rooms for yeah. other stuff. Yeah, I think that's important. So what was your biggest challenge so far in this project, uh, personally? Personally, um, don't, don't forget, I'm still, I, I was a college student when I started. So just yeah. like most of college students, I procrastinated a lot. That is what like number one thing you know in college we also had to say going around like C's get degrees do tomorrow do tomorrow so that is a thing in especially in the early stage of the um <laughs> of the startups yeah however yeah. i do know one trade that i'm very good of is that once i start something i have to end it so i'll take responsibility once i start so knowing these two i procrastinate and i was i'll finish whenever i start then the the problem becomes how to trick my brain into thinking, okay, let's start the first step. So for me, um, I'll trick my brain be like, let's do this for two minutes. If two minutes doesn't motivate me, let's do it for one minute. How about 30 seconds? How about mm -hmm. just open the app and look into it? So the moment I look into the text, the moment, moment I look into my assignments, I start reading, I start thinking, and I get into the mode of actually doing this. And then I'm able to get rid of my procrastination by just starting it. So that was yeah, my yeah, biggest yeah. challenge. And I'll say a lot of challenge that um, college student faces too. 
Yeah, you get uh, the momentum, right? By just start yeah. doing this. For, yeah, once uh, you take action, it's all yeah. matters. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, and what was your the proudest moment for you in this uh, company so far? The proudest moment has to say is how we're seeing our product come from an idea stage, from scratch on paper, and step by step turning into actual product. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, I never expect myself to succeed from this. And as we design, as we look into the mechanism, as we optimize every round in the prototype and seeing the actual product at the end, and then right now able to sell online and have a successful Kickstarter and Indigo campaign, that is the proudest thing I've achieved in this company. Yeah, 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 that's, that's great. Um, so I'm also wondering uh, who are your mentors or who, <clears throat> who you learn from? Because it seems to me that you had some very good um understanding of of business and and you know different personalities and and even work ethic and uh i think many people especially young entrepreneurs they they don't have it they don't have the knowledge yeah. or even discipline and uh, how did you get that somebody somebody helped you maybe friends family anyone else yeah so um one of the things is that um i come from a family of investors Both my mm-hmm. parents are investors, stocks investors, um, crypto investors. So from a very young age, they start teaching me about, hey, look in the world in a different way. Or let's see what this can be changed or what can be achieved in this. <clears throat> so in a very, so um, I have like an investor mindset, I'll say, or at least having the eyesight of a normal investor. So that really helped a lot. And also, um, I, may, I was reading books before this idea coming coming out one Mm-hmm. One of the books being um, Rich Dad Poor Dad, that built up a, a, at least a fundamental mindset for financial stuff. Because most of the time in school, we don't learn anything about money. We just yeah. don't. So we need some books to really enlighten us. So having mm-hmm. financial mindset enlightened, having a family background, at the end of the day, now it gets to personal. So we have to have enough motivation, need to have the courage to step forward. And that's my mentor. Um, that's what my mentor helped me the most. Um, his brought mm-hmm. bride from UC Merced is an assistant professor, also mm-hmm. a, a research professor in uh, University of Utah. He opened a course in UC Merced for on introduction of entrepreneurship. He couldn't teach much in the course. Only thing he teach is how to be brave, have, have the courage to step up, just do one thing and act. I used to have social anxiety. I'm not able to talk to people much, but in this course, I'm able to literally just throw out everything and just go for it, All right? Mm-hmm. Go to somebody, compliment them. Go to somebody, uh, try to convert the sales. Go to somebody and do activity. So slowly and slowly, I got rid of the anxieties and mm-hmm. have more courage and confidence in myself to actually start what I'm doing right now. Yeah, yeah, that's <clears> great. <throat> and it's great that you can name such professors because I think that's rare. Um, really? I thought everybody would be able to do that. <laughs> I think we should see more more, more of this, you know, like uh, professors talking about business and entrepreneurship and all of that. Yeah. 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 Can you name any software tools that you really like uh, and that you use or used before? Um. But the tools I'm using is actually very, very simple that we all have access to. 
One of the best tool I got, I think, is Timer. The way, way that I utilize Timer is a bit different. So um, mm -hmm. one thing about us in a, in a startup company is that we have to work efficiently and like ultra efficiently because we only have three people. We have so much job to accomplish. So the time, yeah. so I researched online on the Elon Musk work schedule. He works at a five minute time block. So in that five minute, he doesn't do anything but the job he assigned for himself. In that five period, five minute time, and although it burns like tremendous amount of energy and our attention, we get the stuff done in ultra fast fashion. So I'm, I'm doing a five minute time block every single time when I'm handling like the startup business and mm -hmm. the timer really just everything that that comes into play. Yeah, that's very interesting. I, I didn't know about this five minute block. So I usually work in uh, either 25 or 45 minutes blocks. And, yes. Uh, I used to do that too. Right? Uh, yeah. For 25 minute and 45 minute time block, it actually has a problem is that over time, we'll slowly and slowly lose our attention span. And mm -hmm. we're getting distraction. For example, we might get an email, get might get a phone call. Sometimes my friend probably sent mm -hmm. us a very funny meme or a video yeah. and we just can't um we just can't resist ourselves but to click on it and take a look and after having a good laugh our attention is gone it's completely gone our work efficiency just dropped from let's say back then before we lose the attention span is at 60 percent. now it's at zero yeah. and yeah. having um the five minute block uh, we're able to maintain at like a hundred percent to eighty percent um attention and that is a very very big difference in terms yeah. of saving time and stuff like that too because and at the end of the day, might as well finish the stuff and then relax. <laughs> and how long do you relax after five minutes? One minute? Five minutes? Mm, it really depends. Like, for example, I'm burned out from like 25 minute circles. Then I'll probably have to take a nap for 20 minutes. I'll have to probably get like brunch, eating something to let myself rest from it. But normally it will be good with just a 30 second break, a one minute break. As long as you feel like your brain is still in a good mode, that you're able to um, focus on one thing solely only in for at least two and a half minutes. Yeah, Once yeah, you have yeah, that, yeah. you can have something accomplished. Yeah. And uh, don't you get, um, because it's a very short time, five minutes. Very, very short time. So can you really zone in, zone in, um, you know, in, in five minutes time? Yes. That is the magical part. Um, the thing about five minutes, it actually requires you a series of um, planning job to do beforehand. So let's say um, the day before you're entering your work, let's say 9 a.m., you log into your desk, be like, okay, let's start a five-minute time block. But we just can't because we don't know what to do. There's so much stuff. It's so vague and we might spend a lot of time on it. Yeah, then yeah. let's look at our task. Let's look at task and let's separate them into smaller pieces. For yeah, example, yeah. today I'm looking into Facebook ads. So let me spend five minutes on reading three articles of what is Facebook ads. We had that assigned. And then let's have a five-minute block on reflection of what I get from, mm -hmm. five, well, from the previous five-minute stuff. I'll keep writing for five minutes, even if I have nothing to write about. I'll keep thinking on that thing until the timer hits me. Mm -hmm. So we separate a very a complicated task into very small bits. And we can have five-minute section of or we can have multiple five-minute section in one task as well. It's not like we have to complete, let's say, we have to complete designing the prone cushion in five minutes. No, that can't work. It's too hard. <laughs> I have to break into pieces. If you yeah. can't, we can have multiple five-minute block. And once the body get a, 
used to the five minutes schedule, you can get into the zone the second you sit, let's say, in your desk. You sit in the desk, yeah. you're zoned in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tomorrow I will try it uh, <laughs> because I usually work, as I said, in 25 or 45 minutes. Yeah. And uh, before I even did like one and a half hour, but it was clearly too long. And yeah. uh, in the morning, I can work even two, three hours without standing up. Mm-hmm. But then the next time slot or the third time slot will be much less effective. So that's yes, why Lord. shorter periods are better. But five minutes, I will try it. I'm curious yeah. now. It is a very, very funny thing. Once you try it, you might love it or you just hated it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, let, let, I will try. Um, I have one more question to you today. So what would be your number one tip to other young entrepreneurs who just starting out maybe with their buddies on, uh, you know, in college and uh, they, they are starting a startup and yeah, what would be your number one advice? Oh, that's going to be difficult because there's so many stuff I want to tell them. Um, you have less than five minutes now. <laughs> okay, sure. I'll give one point. I thought of something. So um, in the, as a college student who are about to start up, it's very important to understand your strengths and weaknesses. And most of the time, it's okay to admit that you're not good at absolutely anything. It mm-hmm. is okay because having a correct evaluation of ourselves is the most important than um, wasting all our time into some useless work. So having a good understanding of ourselves is very important. Strength and weaknesses, and that weaknesses can be compared to different people as well. It can be compared with um, your fellow um, classmates because you, well, um, the, the cycles out, the, the friend zone that we have are probably all college students. So compare to those and see your strength and weaknesses. Compare to the people in business and see your strength and weaknesses. Oftentimes, we might find ourselves not very good at stuff, but very once once upon a time we'll just find we're very very good at one thing and be excel in that and then find somebody else who excels in our area that you're not and that is probably the number one tip i'll give to them because that will come basically 100 percent you utilize and exploit our potentials and our values basically yeah 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 and oftentimes that the stuff that we're very good at is stuff that we love as well, or the byproduct of the stuff we love. So yeah. that will also grant us more endurance in the long run because startup is not a one day or two day job. Yeah, it gives you the validation that you are good at it. It's, it feels rewarding. And uh, I don't like when people say find your passion. I mean, not in the traditional way because you don't really find it. I mean... It's more like you start doing something, either you start being good at it or, or not. And But if you are good at it, you get rewards, you get the validation. Okay, actually, you are good at it. I'm good at it. And then you start feeling passionate about it. Mm-hmm. So I think action comes first and after the feeling, the passion comes. Yes. And um, I remember seeing a Venn diagram of the three circles. Mm-hmm. And one circle being the stuff you like, one circle being the stuff you're very good at. And the one circle being the stuff that you are, let's say, excel or um, something at it. I kind of don't remember that. Yeah. But having all three all zone into the stuff that we like or the stuff that we do is very, very rare. Yeah. And oftentimes we find out, oh, I'm super efficient and I'm super good at something, but I don't like it. Then, um, 
you have to ask ourselves, hey, do I want to proceed? Can I mm-hmm. last it? Is my ambition, is my or the lust tour or succeed? Is it that great? If it's good enough, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is called Ikigai in Japanese, mm-hmm. and uh, everyone can Google it. Our HR team uses it. It's uh, Ikigai, I-K-I-G-A-I, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the concept with the Venn diagrams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thanks a lot, uh, C, sharing your story today and your co-founder's story and uh, the story of Proncussion, and I wish you great success with Thank the campaigns and with the brand um, and also thanks everyone who listened to us today stay tuned because every week we come out with a new episode if anyone wants to find your product where they should go what's the website once more it's the pronecushion.com just prone and cushion 21 word.com we will put the link into the description so everyone can uh, find this great product and you can even order one cool and uh before we leave, also I will uh, leave a link into in the description, which is a uh, email marketing uh, health check uh, checklist. It's a 50-point checklist, and everyone can download this for free, and you can use it for your own uh, e-commerce email marketing. And thanks again, everyone. Stay tuned and uh, have a great day. Yeah. And one more thing at the end. Um, yeah. Subscribe to the econ show. I listen to it basically every week. And oftentimes you'll find out people have some interesting idea about a subject that you looked for. And guess what? You didn't came up there and there's some special approach that they take. It is so effective. So stay tuned. Thank you, C. It was I yeah, I, I can only agree. So yeah. Yeah.